for God, for country, for truth, for justice, for the republic, neocrusader.com. Episode 17. The title of this episode is Mr. AJ. And uh, I'd like to thank you for, uh, for joining in on this episode. The, the person that I'll be interviewing tonight goes by the pseudonym Aaron Jones. I know him only as that. Um, he and I uh, are both uh, members of a uh, of an, an, an online uh, chat chat group, a, a Patriot group, and um, he had a very intriguing story to tell. Um, he's looking for an outlet to to tell his story, and so uh, after hearing a little bit about it, I, I said, "Hey, I'd, I'd like to little, know a little more about it." He sent me. Uh, a few documents and from there um, we set up a, t- a time to uh, come on and uh, you know do an interview via phone and I want to say up front uh, the the organizations the um, political offices the politicians that he mentions in this the police officers I have not spoken with any of them. I have not verified this information. Um, I am simply giving the man an outlet to come online and uh, or or to come on the the show and and um, get his voice out online to you know to uh, the rest of the world. And so um, he is going to tell a nightmare scenario of. What everything that could go wrong in a sanctuary city? Well, I don't want to say that because the, the things can always be worse. Uh, but it, he has a very, very frustrating story to tell, and it comes out in the interview. Um, I do want to warn the listeners: this uh, interview is very explicit. So, um. You know, if if you're sensitive to that, um, you know we you this episode may not be for you. But um, for those who want to uh, to uh, carry on with it, I will uh, go ahead and let Mr. Jones tell the story. What would you like to know? Um. Well, I'm, I mean, really, I, I probably uh, would honestly just want you to uh, to get into it. I mean, you you know what you want to say um, probably better than I, I know what to ask. So uh, I'll probably yeah. let you tell the story. Uh, maybe maybe start with a little bit of your background. Um, you know, I, I you know it just all sounds. Now, I, I guess it's, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you before we we went into it is, uh, I mean, as far as a and it's, you talked about being prosecuted and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Did you did you have an attorney, a, a public defender, any anybody that um, you know that was 
Well, yeah, you know, and, and when I talk about a prosecution, it's not really, I mean, it's a traffic infraction. It's right. not even a misdemeanor. Sure. Right? And it's you still use the word... Yeah. yeah well, it's, it's, a, it's still criminal because it's a ticket and it, it's still covered by the rules of criminal procedure because even if it's an infraction, it's like when the traffic, or what do they call that? We call it justice court. Other places call it no, a traffic court. Traffic courts, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, but nobody considers traffic court criminal, but it's technically it's under the criminal rules of procedure instead of the civil rules of procedure on how you proceed to defend yourself. Sure. Right. I, uh, so that's when I say prosecuted. That's what I'm okay. referring to. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's not yet. Yeah, so when I went, <laughs> I just, you know, back all the way up to how it occurred. Okay. It's just. You know, I'm hit by somebody who is driving without insurance. There's a a mandate under the law to drive with insurance. It's public safety mandate in most states. Here it is, too. Sure. And sort of going into the whole history of the accident and, you know, how long this was and, you know, all that stuff. It's basically, this is a person who then... Uh, told the police that he was insured. And then um, the point of it is, in this particular case, because it's talking about the U.S. and you know the, the directions that President Trump is moving and the things that Attorney General Sessions are excited about and the sanctuary policies that we've seen erode uh, the system of laws that we have here and create what are factually a two-tier system of accountability in public safety, just with respect to driving. Mm-hmm. You know, if uh, if the law states that you're required to be insured and we're both pulled over and one of us is illegal and one of us is not, and the person who is not illegal is required to produce physical insurance under the law and the person who is illegal is not required to produce physical insurance and is allowed just to vouch for himself or call somebody who vouches for him, of course, then right there, it jeopardizes an ability for you to, you know, receive equal treatment under the law. law. Mm -hmm. That's the federal position, uh, the federal provision of the 14th Amendment. I think it's just, I'm not, a, I'm not an attorney, but I read a little bit. The 14th Amendment really was a federal provision about, you know, guidance to the states that was um, everybody in every territory of the United States is owed the same protection of law, no matter what territory they're in. And also due process, you know. But the states are also required to provide, you know, the, the procedurally the things that help uh, people obtain a remedy under the law to seek justice using due process and equal treatment. So that's how the case begins. Okay? Right. And it's important, and I'll get to that later. But So he's not required to. And there's another individual at the accident scene who created his own accident. It turns out that he's also here illegally. And legal or not, um, I'm not making a castigation about their character I can certainly understand people, you know, coming to the United States and want a better life. But 
I've also traveled quite extensively, you know, probably not quite a quarter of like a mile that's small for some that, you know, in a lot of other countries. And anywhere I've ever gone, I've always been required to obey the laws in those countries. And I've always been required at all times to carry identification or face arrest and incarceration or worse, you know. And this other individual, so I'll call him driver one and driver two. Driver one hits me, he's not insured. He tells the police he's insured. They don't make him produce any insurance. And they say it's insured. Driver two gets a ticket because he doesn't have any ID. And he gets a ticket for driving without ever obtaining a license in the state of Utah. And it turns out that he had been driving without ever obtaining a license in Utah, dating to 2009. So that would mean seven years. Wow. Yeah. If you or I, I make it even simpler. If the governor of my state was caught driving without a license since 2009, he would have his, he'd be incarcerated, number one. He'd be arrested, put in jail. His car would be impounded. And uh, he'd have a chance to get his car out when he got in jail. That's the way it would work. That's the way it works for citizens. That's what I'm talking about is this two-tier system of accountability. You know, and I'll get to the equal protection part later. So that's how it begins. And then these two people who make a claim that they don't know one each other. They don't, this is in, this happened in Salt Lake. And then uh, the individual who ran into me, um, his radiator fluid leaked out after he hit me. And so he left his vehicle near the scene. And he drives home with the other person in front of the police who just cited him for his fifth, that was his fifth citation for driving without ever obtaining a license since 2009 and not having any, any ID. Okay. Watches these two smile and drive away into the sunset together. <laughs> Where they drive 60 miles to another county where they live in the same city a mile apart from each other at the time of the accident and continued to maintain a claim that they did not know one another. Wow. I thought that was odd. You know, in fact, the guy who hit me immediately after the accident, I called him up and asked him what happened. You know, or not immediately, but it was soon thereafter. And after I kind of figured out some things here, and he was all recorded statement that I did my own investigation work until I hired an investigator. Stated that, oh, no, no, the, the, the guy that I rode home with, uh, he lives, he said that he lived in Layton. Well, Layton is 60 miles in the opposite direction. So, you know, clearly that's being untruthful. You know, and I tried to share the information with uh, the, the, the prosecutor. And in my case, it's just every single instance opened up another chapter of disbelief. So that occurs. You know, I go to traffic court. I meet with the prosecutor. He's a nice guy in this particular case. She's the guy who ends up going through with the case. And I had, at that particular time, uh, proof that what the officer had written down and stated was different than what this guy had stated to me. He's had a recording of it. I played it for him. After he listened to it, he confided to me that 
Okay, well, I was also on an auto accident kind of like this many years ago, and I remember how, how crappy I felt about it. So we went in front of the judge and said, hey, to just, you know, come take a trial. And he really wasn't going to push it forward. You know, it's kind of obvious that, you know, everyone was driving illegally, so we were just going to forget about it. Well, they gave me a notice to appear on a certain day, and then they gave me another notice to, to appear on another day. Uh-huh. So when I showed up on the notice to appear, they had already held it on a different day. And so they decided, well, we're going to have these two people show up to uh, be witnesses against you in the case in front of traffic court judges. And, I mean, usually a witness in a case is someone who is like, uh, who would be an eyewitness, who observed, not someone who actually participated in it, who had motive or intent or bias to lie. In this particular case, both these guys obviously had a motive to not tell the truth because, as it turns out, they also had both lied at the scene of the accident. The one individual who lied about having insurance turns out that I wouldn't find out until after I lost the case and killed it. He had a record of conditions for lying to the police on the matter of insurance. He had three convictions in another county where he lived for lying to the police, or they call it falsification of personal information. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was his insurance status, license status, registration status, those things. But three convictions. So wouldn't this be a pattern? And the pattern went back 10 years, too. It was like, hey, it's in your history of this. A leopard, and, yeah, doesn't change its spots. Yeah. Right. Well, I didn't know this at the first uh, hearing that I went to, I mean, the first uh, trial. You know, and I didn't even cover the trial. The trial was just a joke in itself. Because when I showed up at the trial, um, then I had a copy this is within a month of the accident. I had a copy of the denial of insurance letter for the guy who hit me. And I'd given that to the prosecution and given that to the police officer involved. And they didn't care. The prosecution, because it was a sanctuary city, she told the judge I was badgering the witness about him driving without insurance when he ran into me. And I broke uh, my hands. Have two torn ligaments have to be surgically repaired. Cost ten thousand dollars in vehicle damage to my truck. The guy filed a claim against me two days after the accident. Uh, that kind of wow. stuff, right? And exactly, and it gets even weirder. You know, at the trial itself, uh, if I represented myself, it was just a traffic ticket. You know, and then when I lost and I when I killed it to the district court, you know, then I hired an attorney. And that's a whole other story. Now, a whole other house of horrors. Can I, can I, can I just ask yeah. you uh, real quick as as far as mm-hmm. the the official report, um, the officer is, is clearly placing the the accident on the other driver. Um, the, no, not at all. Well, not at all. That's not what happened. Uh, no, okay, so, you know, when, when we had the accident, it was rush hour, uh-huh. and I was stuck in an intersection, and there's two sets of stoplights across from me, across the intersection. There's one directly across from me. Sure. The driver number two was, who didn't hit me. He's, like, directly across from me. And then there's another stoplight 330 feet further back behind driver number two, 
where driver number one began before he ran in, before he overtook driver two, who was directly across from me, and 330 feet away in front of him, before then he ran into me. Gotcha. Is this bizarre? Is this bizarre? Mm-hmm. Clearly, you know, it was a fault. Plus, I was almost like all the way through the intersection. It was a rush hour traffic. I was stuck. Nobody's even going that fast. But people don't go in rush hour. It's all like gridlock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This guy accelerated into me. Yeah, he accelerated into me. Pushed my quad cap sideways. You know, caused ten thousand dollars worth of damage. And that, it was limited because I had a still step up side side rail on the thing. You know, but so uh, the police came. They the, the, when the police responded. They, well, I had a call. Um, they had no worries about being tickets or anything. And so uh, they had us move our vehicles without preserving any of the evidence or anything. They just had us move our vehicles to another location down the street now because you couldn't see the side of the accident. Then another officer appears who was never at the side of the accident itself, never saw the accident scene. And that's when he shows up, he goes and talks to these two people who were illegal. And they both say, oh, that guy ran a red light. After they, one didn't have ID, and the other one lied about being insured. Are there any traffic cams? So the police cams? officer came up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. were, were there any traffic cams that, that you could uh, do in it, uh, a FOIA? Did no, okay. there weren't. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we have traffic cams, but... Our Department of Transportation, they claim they don't keep those that footage. Okay, okay. So I tried to get it, you couldn't get it. So the officer approaches me and he says, he's asking what happened. I said, uh, this guy accelerated into me while I was stuck in the intersection and hit me. He goes, okay. He goes, well, those two guys all say that you ran a red light, so I'm just going to give you the ticket. So I was like, was the guy even insured? He goes, well, he's calling his wife. And I was just thinking, he's calling his wife. That's not what the statute says. No. You know, it says you got to have the physical proof. So she just gave me the ticket. That's why I ended up fighting it. Right? That's how it began. Sure. Okay. Which all seems normal. Okay. Then it turns out that the city where this happened, that the... They have a, a higher a contract out the prosecution of traffic infractions to a private firm. And part of the purpose of doing that is because they didn't think they thought it would cost more to hire personnel to staff their city and run their justice court than to contract it out privately. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this company that they contracted to, it's uh, Cowdell and Woolley. Cowdell and Woolley, before they were Cowdell and Woolley, the prosecution firm, prosecuting 5,000 traffic tickets a month in 12 cities, they were courtcms.com, which they still are. And Cowdell and Woolley are two IT genius guys who graduated from BYU, who had a IT firm that specialized in database design and records collection. And they made databases for courts, court management, 
systems and for police. They didn't know to manage they, records. They didn't know Debbie Wasserman uh, Schultz, did they? They, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But part of the selling point, why people, why cities decide to go with them, is because this uh, prosecution firm that rebranded after, after 15 years of running an IT firm, mm-hmm. specializing in records collection and data, is that it would be cheaper in, in the cost of production for traffic tickets or just in the account that can like still a criminal case against a traffic ticket for what's required or called um, the production of uh, disclosure. The disclosure that has to be given to you under the Constitution, which is part of the due process clause. You know, there's a federal part and there's a state part. But so... Don't you think that when the police officer showed up, they would have known that the one guy that was driving without a license had four tickets before this using different names, and that the guy who hit me had the conditions for not being insured? And plus, the officer did try to check. We have a system here called uh, Insure Right. It's a privatized database company that maintains a master database on everyone who was insured. And all the state uh, cruisers, they can they plug into it when they have an a- when there's an accident, they plug into it. And, that was you know, actually that was actually it. one of my questions that I was actually going to ask. Um, not not that specific mm-hmm. uh, system, but I, I was going to yeah. ask. Um, you know, yeah. I, I've never seen a traffic stop happen that you know my specific information wasn't vetted, and you know I, I just. Um, Mm-hmm. And, and that's Correct. that's part of the part of the story that sounds yeah. so fantastic to me is that it, it just it worked in such one way you know uh, one way it, it worked so well for um, people who can't even provide their own um, identification mm-hmm. but for you Correct. following all all the rules everything right and yeah. and another thing I find incredible and I'm gonna let you get back to it but I, I just one of these. Um, the gentleman uh, couldn't even provide an identification to the police officer, but they're going to use his testimony in court. Correct. That that is fantastic. They end up, they end up prosecuting me. Yeah, they end up prosecuting me solely with the testimony from two witnesses, both who are here illegally in the country. One who's been driving in Utah since 2009 without ever obtaining a license. Who, by the time I go to the traffic court, he has another ticket for the same thing. So he's got six, somewhere than six tickets, but six tickets just with respect to driving without a license. Without, specifically, driving without ever obtaining a license. Hmm. Since 2009. And those tickets, six of them, have been issued in four different names. Now, he kept the same date of birth, you know, but he gave different names, name variations of his name. What about socials, things like that? What's social? Okay. The guy didn't have any ID. Well, that's, yeah, I gotcha. But he, you know... There was no ID at all. I gotcha. Not only not any ID, but no driver's license... 
Oh, document. You know, here, they, what happened is because in sanctuary cities, because of this relaxed fear that they did, and this really comes from Obama. This is a fact. I found this out from one of the prosecutors in the oh, case. Yeah. But, but Obama had issued executive orders that laxed the requirements on uh, ID Absolutely. and verification and all these other things. And so it literally created, you know, and Obama's supposed to be a constitutional attorney. So he would goddamn well know about the 14th Amendment, about applying the same uh, law equally among people so you don't create um, the discrimination as a class. Because on the 14th Amendment, you discriminate and you, if you give, you, you, you enforce a law arbitrarily with one person at, one, at the very same scene and then you don't enforce it with the other person, that is a form of discrimination because then you have not applied the law equally. It's Absolutely. not an equal protection under the law. It's a, well, it's a complete failure of the law is what it is. Yeah, yes. It is, yeah. is a complete Well, failure. that's what happened. In my, that's exactly what happened in my case. These two guys. You know, and the other one, but more importantly, it was like, how would this courtcms.com or this Cowdell and Woolley who the selling point of their software package right their prosecution services come with the management of the court system the docket the scheduling the records that they've amalgamated from all over the state do they collect that's the selling point do they, mm-hmm. do they they actually collect it? I'm, I assume um, it's it's basically the uh, the traffic tickets are given, the speeding uh, infractions are given, and then usually on the ticket they say you know pay your you know pay your fine online and and you well, can, no, 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 I don't mean about the collection of the money. Okay, just I'm talking stick. about the collection, the amalgamation mm-hmm. of all data, public yep. record data, gotcha, statewide. So. When you're in a case, part of due process, you have the right to question your accusers if they're going to testify against you. You have the right to question them about the, their integrity and their character. But you, you have the right to know if they've been arrested for certain things that would cast their testimony as false. Or if they have a, a penchant to lie. Well, in this particular case, three convictions for falsifying information to the police would make would tend to make you appear that you were not truthful. Well, none of that was provided in the district in the uh, first traffic court. None of the disclosure, the required Brady disclosure, none of it. And that, that and their company, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, it was rigged. It was stacked from the very beginning for somehow. And that's what I'm trying to get at. The overall thing here is, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's human nature. This is a company that, let's say that there are certain people in your community who politically you don't like. Outspoken people. And I have a record here that it cannot be matched by the amount of information I put out. It can only be matched by someone like Alex Jones. But the stuff that I put out is, is different, completely different. You're very, and I've done that for years, okay? You're very well spoken. So what if... Very, very yeah. well spoken. Okay, what if you get 
this web of data somehow, you know, they're not actively out looking for you. They're not, nobody's coming for you. No one's looking for you. But it's data. It's an algorithm. What if you happen to one day just have an incident in one of the towns where these people run the data, the data network, and you're flagged immediately? And from that very moment, I never had a chance at all. And I didn't have a chance because this went on for a year, right? And even when I appealed the case and I went to the district court, and by then they had put a different prosecutor on it, and they withheld the Brady disclosure until one month before trial. After they had falsified to the judge in the district court that they had given me disclosure in the justice court. And if that had been the case, why then did they give me the records of conviction on the 28th of October of 2016 when my case was on the 2nd of December of 2016, one month before trial, in complete violation of the rules of criminal procedure, which mirror the rules of criminal procedure in the federal court. The requirement of the prosecution to have an ongoing, sustained requirement to disclose and to disclose all known data that can impeach the character of a witness at the time of arraignment. Well... That never happened in the first issue, in the first court. I made a record of it in this in the district court, and then to get out, to get out of that, there's a whole there's so many pieces I'm not even telling you. I'm just like giving you the highlights. Oh, oh yeah, okay? I gotcha. And, and yeah. I'm assuming you you've argued yeah. you you went in. I'm assuming and argued this to the judge. Um, all of this. Not only did I argue the judge, if you saw all of the legal briefs that I filed. You'd just be astounded. I, I actually am. And the judge didn't hear. <laughs> actually, the judge did. Yeah, did not hear even one of them after I went in to com- to compel them to produce the disclosure on the records of the of the, of the witnesses. I hired a, an investigator. I've also hired an attorney, right, to handle it all. Because that's what people say. Oh, get, get an attorney. I was like, okay. I gave the guy. I went and met with him. It was just for a traffic ticket. I said, what do you want? Oh, $1,000. I said, okay, here's the money. Take care of it. And then I went and did about $1,500 worth of investigation work and found all this other stuff out about these guys, all these records that were out there. Right. You know, and then, then I started trying to work with the city like hey you guys have made a mistake you know it's like you know this guy's on insurance you know these people lied you, you know they wrote home to get all this stuff it's like why are you going through with all of this and not only were they going through with it regardless the officer and the prosecution and the city never charged that guy who ran into me for not being insured as a pattern, the fifth or sixth time, I never charged him for lying about being insured, which he was not, as a pattern, for three previous convictions. He wasn't charged with failure to maintain control. He was not charged, charged with a goddamn thing. Zero, zippo, nada. And then he moved from Orem, Utah, to South Salt Lake City as an act of harboring to protect him while this case went on. 
Wow. It's harboring. So my uh, my accusations, I don't have an allegation anymore, they're accusations, is that these people under color of state law aided and abetted in violation of federal immigration law under United States Code Title Eight, Section 1324, harboring for illegal purposes. Somebody who had a criminal, a sustained, decade-long criminal history of falsifying information to law enforcement using document fraud, identity theft, because he had more than one social security number, document fraud upon the courts because there was multiple dates of birth and multiple aliases, multiple citations that he was never convicted for because they couldn't find him because he had used uh, aliases or dates of birth that were not consistent with another set of documents that he may have carried or carried at this particular time. Right. That's how much crap it was. Why would you not prosecute someone like that? Do you know why? It's because if you were worried about being sued and you wanted to tip the scales of the balance of justice and create the perception that only I was at fault, you wouldn't find the other person at fault. You would, for the thing that he did. It's not, it's not a matter of if I did run a red light or didn't run a red light. It's that I had the right of redress, which is underpinned by the equal protection of the laws and due process. Those things were denied because part of equal protection is, is that he did these things more, magnitudes more severe crimes felonies absolutely perjured himself as well in the, in the in the justice court on the record a digital audio recording which I have I can share those with you that was then provided back to the city before I went to the appeal the, the, the trial the, when you have an appeal case called a trial de novo or a new trial before I went to the appeal trial extracted the testimony of both of these people gave it to the city. Both of your witnesses committed perjury. Why are you not doing anything about this? It's because they, if you don't use, if you don't convict the people of crimes, then they don't look like they're criminals. Isn't that right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what occurred. And they did this because the officer involved was the brother of the mayor who was seeking re-election. And he fucked up. So when I complained about the city, she protected him. Right. And how could she protect him best? With a prosecution firm relying upon the $16,000 a month contract with the mayor to protect their interests. Because by then... I had filed so much information into the district court, including a copy of their contract. I paid in clause of what they were responsible for and how they failed in the disclosure because they hadn't provided it to me. And then the same city, this is where it even gets weirder, before they disclosed to me the records of conviction that were in different dates of birth and different aliases on the same guy that they gave me, Okay, mm-hmm. they had already gone out and hired another five hundred dollar an hour law firm to 
protect them and the prosecution of me over a one hundred dollar traffic infraction. Yeah, it's that's. Does it's, that make sense? No. That's no, bizarre. It was very. Then it turns out. Remember how I ranted on and on about the Bundys? I'm not a big Bundy fan. I'm, I live in Utah. I got gotcha. you. You know, I'm not. This is not what, what those guys did. I won't even go into the whole Bundy thing. I'm not a Bundy fan. You, you, at all. you dropped a little. Uh, I, I mean, it, it was sort of like a. I mean, wow! It was a, a truth bomb. I mean, there there was a lot there to take in. But yeah, I, I remember the the. the, the mm-hmm. But yeah, the, yeah, and and I didn't like the Bundys even more because I had uh, other issues in the state that when I came back from Afghanistan, I couldn't get any help. I couldn't get any help from my elected leaders while they were trying to protect the Bundys. I'm somebody who went over and paid to go over there as a disabled veteran. I was disgusted. But like, you will help out. You will go out of your way to help out people who have been living our goddamn state. But you can't help me out as your direct constituent who just came back from Afghanistan. That's why I even hate the Bundys even more. And there's other reasons. But they, the city, in this time that everything went south for me, was between July and November, because I, December 2nd, you know, there's no, that, so at the end of November, there's December, so I have a trial on December 2nd, and the attorney they bring on leaves in November. They bring on an attorney who worked, who was the brother of Marcus R. Mumford, who represented the Bundys in Oregon. Gotcha. They bring him on as a fact. I think I, I don't know if I think it's a doc, I think it's an email. Okay? And in that email, are there all these attachments? And one of the attachments is a record from the South Salt Lake City Council of Glenn Creswell introducing Bradley Mumford. I think it was on the minutes of the 24th of August of 2016, page three or, or four. I think it's page three, line item four. All, they brought all the, Bradley in. Yeah. Uh, but they bring, they bring in a guy who's the brother of the people who represents the Bundys. Okay. Who have worked at the Mumford Law Firm to do what in South Salt Lake City in a part-time capacity? Prosecute property cases. Mm-hmm. Can anything be more incongruent and oxymoronic than that? Right. You're the brother of the guy representing the Bundys, but you're prosecuting property cases, supposedly, in South Salt Lake City. Well, I think one of the uh, people they prosecuted was the mayor's former rival. Right. They also shut his property down. They're corrupt. They're a history of corruption. I know that because a friend of mine is the former chief of police over there. They've been notorious for corruption in South Salt Lake. Have you have you discussed this with him? I mean, has he given you any um, any advice or uh, any direction in in what? They don't know what to do. This, things don't operate the same here. Right. Well, they, I hate to say that, but they don't. You know, and that was one of the things. It's like and even the case even gets weirder. Yeah, I mean, it does. Here's how it weird does. the case is. They suborned the perjury of two illegal aliens. They allowed, this prosecution allowed this driver number two, 
who was given a ticket in one name, okay, to then swear in on a witness stand and be a witness against me under oath. You know, you know what evidence is in a case? Evidence is anything that's admitted that the judge allows to be admitted without objection or overcoming an objection. Right. It's also all of the statements that are made under oath. That's what evidence is. That's why when you have a conversation with someone on the phone, that's not evidence. That's hearsay. Correct. Evidence is on the it's something that's like made on the record, which is in a court of law under oath of a judge. But you've taken an oath. So that's how you get evidence against people. And that's how the decisions are made in a case. If you can't get evidence in, then you, you can, you're not going to prevail. Or if you can get evidence in, you can load the scale of justice. So in this particular case, they allow driver number two to testify after he was sworn in under the name that he was cited in for driving without a license, ever obtaining a license. Okay. Six days later, in his own prosecution for what he did, driving without a license, the same prosecution in the same court, I wasn't a part of that. I've got a copy of that. It was called a, a Rule 902, one of the rules of evidence. Rule 902B2 or something. It's like evidence that you receive from the court that is a public record that is self-authenticated. Or if it's notarized, it's even better. I had a notarized copy of the docket from his prosecution six days later. And he swears in under oath in a different name. A different name. And nobody caught that. That that No, no, no. I did catch it. <laughs> well, I, you did, but... And I gave a copy of it to the prosecution, is <laughs> what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. This was completely rigged. Yeah. And prosecutors know that overcoming... It's like, oh, you know, it's like, um, they call them malicious prosecution. You can't sue for malicious prosecution unless you win. Mm-hmm. If you don't win, it means everything that they did to you, even if it's illegal, is immune. Mm-hmm. Only something that a prosecutor does outside of the courtroom itself, anything in his investigative capacity, conversations, speaking with other people, like caught on record, those are the only things that aren't immune. And then it, then it has a qualified immunity, and you have to find a way to puncture the qualified immunity. So if you don't win, you're fucked. Do you have a legal background? I mean, you, you are very, um, you're very well-versed in this. I, did, you, did you come by this? I've been fighting these people okay. 10 Years. Okay, so so you've you've earned your degree. Then <laughs> you've earned your degree. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, I, my background is my, I'm not an attorney. You know, you know, I guess you call it someone who's a shit house attorney, or whatever. But <laughs> I understand enough about the law. Yeah. I understand that I can go and read it and try to figure it out. You and a lot of the times, people have realized, you know what? You know what opinion, attorneys are? They're just somebody with a degree and an opinion. Right. You go to the judge. Only something that's adjudicated in a court of law to be a precedent or, you know, that's adjudicated, an order or something. Uh, that's what the law, you know, that's really what the law is. People have, attorneys have opinions about the law. He's got to go in to court and enforce it, right. you know, get it to go their way. 
you know, so when the or- no, I'm not an attorney. Okay, you know, so sorry, there was no way they would allow me to win, and, that, and that's not all. I have the recording of this too. Okay, of all these recordings, I'm in that courthouse. Okay, and I'm representing myself, and I actually had an attorney, but I fired him because I don't know. She was intimidated by this group of people. And he represented he would take the case to trial. And the first time that we went to a hearing, she told the prosecutor I was going to take a plea in advance. And I said, no. We never talked about that. You were given, you were paid under contract to represent me at trial. Right. Yeah. And he goes, no, we're going to take a plea in advance. And it went round and round outside the courtroom until he was fired. And that's why I represented myself. That was never the intention. And he guy even gave me back half of my money. That's how wrong he was. I mean, attorneys don't generally give me your money back. No, no, they don't. That's not usually hmm. how it works. No. Right. Well, in the trial itself, in the district court, there's so many pieces here that are interesting. Mm-hmm. In the district court itself, what occurred was. When the trial began, uh, the prosecutor and I decided that we were going to invoke, which I guess, uh, I know a few rules, but not very many. Uh, rule 506, it's a rule to um, separate the witnesses out from each other so they can't hear each other. He's sequestered them outside the courtroom itself. Right. So that whoever is testifying is unaware of what anyone else has testified about. So they can't match. It's like you're in court, you're going to say something, but you hear someone say something, you're going to match the testimony. So you do the Rule 506, so no one knows. So everybody's outside the courtroom except for this officer, Chris Taylor, who's the brother of the mayor. Okay? And let me back up a second. So, so when they hired this Brad Mumford guy, the city council knew something was wrong in the city. They didn't know what. All that they knew was that the mayor was protecting her brother, but they didn't know about what no. the specifics were. There was a there was there was legislation and I guess the, or at least talk of um, I guess some anti nepotism and, and and things like that. Uh-huh. Okay, all right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, they in the press on the news here they you know they try to pass an anti-nepotism ordinance against the mayor. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. She was protecting her brother. She didn't tell them what it was about. But that's how it precipitated. Gotcha. Because of my, my problem. But they, the council didn't know about me specifically or my case specifically. They just knew there was a problem. Okay. They ended up passing. So the, when they try to pass it, it's in the news because she vetoes the ordinance. And then they came to an agreement, and she did pass it. Okay. She was protecting her brother. She was worried about being sued. The city attorney, who served as the leader of the mayor, along with the appointed police chief, who wouldn't go and do anything about this guy who did these things, they're not going to do anything about it. They bring in a part-time attorney who liaisons between this contracted law firm doing a prosecution and the city. So I'm liaisoning with that guy. And I'm discovering all these documents. And I'm sending him these documents. I'm sending him these recordings from the district court. 
and I've got I haven't collected many of the uh, arrest records and citations there of these guys I got a couple I'm sure got some stuff that I know about right right and I'm trying to work with the city to get them to drop the case you know because they never intended it was never the intention to drop the case and there's it goes back to another history and they weren't going to drop the case but they also weren't going to prosecute that guy even after they even after Officer Taylor on the witness stand I, I can send the recordings if you want I'll just send them out to you okay. he states on the witness stand that driver number one told me of the accident scene that he was insured and then if he writes down the name of the policy or writes down the, num- the name of the company and the policy that supposedly he's insured on that he was told. While he's holding on to a record of denial of coverage from the same company at the courthouse on the day of the trial. See, that's... That, I, in the Justice Court. It just, that just blows my mind. The, 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 they never... They cover for him. He also postdated the accident report. It, so the following day, if you don't, which made him appear to be as if he was. Hmm? Uh, what What was his nationality? Do you, Do you know? Um, They're both Hispanics. They're both from Mexico. Okay, so I do know. Okay, so they. Okay, all right. Well, just, the reason is is that Utah in two thousand and nine passed its own fantasy immigration law that they called Utah Compact, and it was a big push by the Chamber of Commerce, which is headed by the LDS Church mm-hmm. here to pass it. And that's when I began writing about the problems. So as I, I was a service officer for disabled veterans and it was about contracting for us and us coming in and out of Afghanistan and they were doing this stuff. They were talking about and they did and they passed protections in the workplace, anti discrimination protections in the workplace for people who were here illegally under Utah Compact. Could say passed in legislation in 2009, and Department of Workforce Services passed these anti-discrimination policies, and they weren't doing anything for veterans. Right. And it was happening during the war, which I'd been to by then. I knew the reality. I knew about all the people coming back and committing suicide. Sure. And I knew about the unemployment rate three times higher than the national average. And it earned me. But I could come home to a place who would behave like that. But that was Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City is entirely different than Utah. Right. It is a facade, in part created by the corporation of the church, of acceptance and a gay mayor and blah, 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 blah. You know, but Salt Lake City itself... They run their own policies. You know, we had a guy named Ross Anderson who's just a, for lack of a better term, he's a pile of shit. Mm-hmm. Rocky. You know, he boycotted the National Convention of the American Legion while he was the mayor. Wow. He's calling for the prosecution of George Bush, called for the prosecution of uh, President Obama, called for the prosecution now, and he's not a mayor, but of Donald Trump. So he, he's a he's a radical, basically. He's um, completely. He created the proto Antifa in Salt Lake. Do you, can, if you don't mind me asking, just can and I'm just mm-hmm. this is just off the yeah. top of my head. 
Have you ever connected him to any type of Saul Alinskyite? Any any type of Alinskyite? Uh, no, he ran. He ran for no. He ran for. Uh, he was a former director of the ACLU in Salt Lake City. Oh, okay. That's just sum it up. All right. Okay. And then he then he staffed the legal department with the ACLU. Okay. Gotcha. Then he to get the affection of the youth from the war. Spent all kinds of money from the budget, bringing in like Modest Mouse, and all, he had these concerts in the park every single Thursday. Sure. Where he would speak, and then Modest Mouse and blah 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 blah. And, and you that's know, what he did during the war. I, I mean, admittedly, all he was calling. Yeah, I, I'm a Modest yeah. Mouse fan, but I could see where you could take um, the. Uh, the message that's well, no, it wasn't about the people. It wasn't about the well, bands. Well, yeah, I, that I was it. Yeah, yeah. In, in a way, it's it's conditioning because because it, it, it yeah, they yeah. follow that mindset, and that's all I was going to well, say. Well, it wasn't. No, no, it wasn't. It, they weren't following the band's mindset. There were lots of bands. Yeah, it was that they were getting free concerts, free in the park. Yep. Where he would speak first, and then they would be entertained. Yeah, and all the rules would be relaxed about drinking and smoking pot. All of them. Gotcha. And that's what he did. So it had nothing to do with the people who came I and sang. Yeah, I understand. I understand. That's how he curried favor and created the first proto antifa, actually, in wow. here to state. So I was writing out against this stuff prolifically. Well, there's this informal detente between the politics of Salt Lake City and the corporation of the church. <laughs> and one of the things that they had a common ground on, Shoes Are Compact. They created their own, they legislated their own immigration law. And then over time, people who were more hardcore Republicans amended it and changed it and tried to make it comport more with some federal immigration statutes reporting and stuff but none of it's followed and here's an example this has also happened so going back to Brad Mumford so I appeal my case like in May May June he comes on in around that time June July and I'm getting him all these stuff that I'm finding because it's called disclosure I have a duty to disclose to I find out something I have to disclose it so I'm disclosing it to him at some point things just going nowhere things are just getting worse sure yeah and they're just getting worse and worse and worse with Brad Mumford and so I file you call it a FOIA request Freedom of Information Access whatever here we call it a Government Records Access Management Act of Grandma called the grandma request with the city. It was explosive. The grandma request, I remember the day I went and picked it up, how those guys looked at me, they were just like shell-shocked. They have 10 days to reply or they can deny it, you know, but I, I went and got it. The grandma documents showed that I had disclosed to them the use of different names, these, that, he, that he, not only was the guy not insured, the woman who wrote the letter from the Freedom Insurance Company called me on the phone and recorded a phone call that I gave to them. 
stating that he had actually tried to call minutes after the accident, after he had his accident, tried to get insured, and he was not insured, showing that he wasn't insured. And he wrote the goddamn letter. Not only did they have the letter, they had a tape recording from the author of the letter. Hmm. That's what it showed. And they were sending it. When I was sending it to Brad Mumford with all these attachments, when I got my grammar request back, the emails that they gave me back showed he had forwarded everything directly to the mayor's brother, Officer Taylor. Right. And the only time they really got excited is when I obtained, as part of my discovery, a copy of the master state record from the driver's license division on these two guys, driver one and driver two. And they were scrubbed absolutely, completely fucking clean. Wow. And that set off Brad Mumford. He wrote directly to Chris Taylor, who was the officer. He's like, how did this guy get a hold of this record? It's in black and white. It's in a fucking email. Were there, let me ask you, know, let, let me stop you yeah. real quick one second. Now, all of this, yeah. um, all of the uh, correspondence, it was official, um, it was an official email. It wasn't a personal, you know, at Yahoo. Correct. Or, okay. All right. Correct. It's all under color of state law. Okay. For the purposes of lawsuits or in, in violations of the law. Yes. It was P. Mumford at South Salt Lake City, blah, blah, blah. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. And then they were sending all these emails somewhere, but they wouldn't allow me to have that trail, that email trail. And the mayor herself wrote the denial on the grammar request that I couldn't have them. God filled the decision to the mayor, and the mayor said, see, and here, see, at this time, all the way up into the time that I lost in the district court on appeal, I did not know that Chris Taylor was the brother of... Mayor Wood. Oh, okay. And after I lost, I decided, this is so fucked up, I'm going to call and talk to people in the city council. So that's what we do in a civil society. You call, that's what you, those are civil actions. Talking on the phone, writing letters, that, that's what the civil, that's what civility is. Sure. So I began calling up members of the city council. A bunch of them were talking. I ended up getting, talking to a guy, and if I should identify him or not. But it was Kevin Rapp. And Kevin, first thing out of his mouth was, don't you know what's going on here? I'm like, no. Tell me. Is that Chris Taylor is the mayor's brother? And then it all sunk in. <laughs> yeah. Then I was like, okay. Now I know what's going on. But I didn't tell you about one of the parts in the court process itself. Remember I talked about sequestering the, yes. the driver one two outside and we had the Chris Taylor on the witness stand. Sure. And while he's on the witness stand, I get across the examine him. First thing I do is I then because they wouldn't accept the call not the court itself, but the prosecution, Brad Mumford, kept telling people it wasn't Oh, he's in the, they covered it up. That's how they suborned the perjury hmm. of him in the district, in both the district court where he said he was insured 
and in the Justice Court. These are both reported statements. But Brad Mumford, as a member of the city, okay, was given the perjured testimony as an audio because in their district, in their court, they record it. So it's an audio transcript. Right. I gave them an excerpt of an audio transcript from the court where he perjured himself. And they didn't give a shit. And the fact that he wasn't insured. Finally, the prosecutor, and I'm Stephen Anya, right before the trial in the district court, sometime in late October, he had got a copy of the InsureRight, which is the company here, it's the master clearinghouse for insurance, InsureRight database record, and it showed the guy wasn't insured. He was not insured at all. Right. So they absolutely knew that he wasn't insured. And still didn't do anything about it. Well, he and they knew, they knew. It's not just that he wasn't insured that time; he wasn't insured five times before that. Right, exactly. And he'd been convicted of lying to the police on three of the on three of the convictions. Two of the convictions were about lying about insurance. And now, just like mine, when you said he was convicted, I guess that was just a monetary fine. There was no he. He's no oh, a record. Okay. A court record. Okay. Not just a fine, it's a class D misdemeanor. Gotcha. These are, these are you know, notarized sure. records. Those are evidence. Right. That's what I'm saying. And it's like there's so many pieces here. As soon as I started talking to people, we'll try to get help on it. They just blow off. It's just too many pieces. They don't have the time, but they have the attention span. You know, that's why I got to, you know. But, so I'm in this, let me say this, I'm in this hearing, this trial, of December. And Officer Taylor's on the witness stand, and I'm cross examining him. The first thing I do is, I'll tell you where this guy's not insured. He goes, whatever he had to say. And I said, well, here's a copy. I, I would like to tender an evidence to insure data to that base. And um, there was no objection from the prosecutor. It was his record. Boom, it's in the evidence. It's evidence now. I don't have to argue it anymore. It's not insured. And then I turned into evidence. Were you aware on the day that he was driving that so and so was uh, convicted, had a record of conviction for lying to the police about insurance on this state? Oh, no, I wasn't. Would you take a look at this record? Uh, you know, I'd like to enter this in the evidence. Boom, it's in the evidence. Conviction one for lying to the police. Conviction two. Lying to the police. Condition three, lying to the police. Along with the record of the insurance that he has lied to the police a fourth time. And we take a break, okay? Right. And during the break, I stay in the courtroom with the bailiff. And I'm on the phone with a buddy of mine who runs a JAG. He's a JAG officer from the state. He's a former federal prosecutor. He's a colonel in the JAG Corps. He runs it. Okay. And I'm talking to him about how crazy the case is. We're just talking, just, you know, he's not giving me advice or anything. We're just talking about it. And the judge comes back in. They declare that the break is over. I say, I got to go to my buddy. I stayed in the courtroom the whole time in front of the bailiff. The prosecutor comes in. Officer Taylor comes in. 
and we bring in driver number one. We're going to make sure driver ready. He takes his stand. Prosecutor does his thing. He doesn't really have much to ask him. Cross-examination. He's on the stand. My first question. Driver number one, were you insured at the time of the accident? Oh, yes, I was insured. Perjury. Oh, beyond the shadow of a doubt. I mean, <laughs> you, right. you can't argue that. Well, guess what? Well, guess what? He didn't do a fucking thing about it. Wow. So, so I'm asking him. No, no, no. Let me, that's not the good part. Wow. That's not the good part. Okay. Okay. I'm interrupted by the prosecutor, Stephen Daniel. I have a recording of all this crap I'm telling you. That's what's so bizarre about it. That's why they won't help me here. There's a reason why they won't help me here. Stephen Daniel is appointed by the governor on the boards, boards and commissions on the bail bonds board. He's one of their BYU buddies. Hmm. They're not going to go out to that guy. That's another story. I've been the rounds with the Attorney General's office. I've been threatened by their office. Law enforcement division. So you you have no there's no higher up you can you can take this to uh, you know on a state level because you are I mean you've hard I am persona non grata yeah and there's, I haven't even began to there's another conversation I'll have off the record I'll we'll go off the record after this but then I'll tell you some of the stuff but Stephen says Your Honor over the break Officer Taylor approached me and it's come to our attention that. Mr. Johnson approached the witness, and I've been inside the courtroom all the time. Mr. Johnson approached the witness and told him that there was a felony warrant out for his arrest. And Mr. Johnson told him that, Your Honor, because mm. he tried to intimidate the witness not to appear here today. That is, he threatened, he was a form of threatening the witness. And he intimidated the witness. That's a felony. All of a sudden, I find myself being accused of a felony based on the words of a police officer who covered for someone who was illegal and wouldn't charge him for all the things that he did. And now they're trying to accuse me. They're actually accusing me on the record of a felony. Okay? And I'm blown away. I'm like, well, this is just crazy. And the only thing the judge ever did to me in the whole case, and because... Driver number two, Oscar Batista, he's on the witness stand. And the judge starts to talk to him. And it all just falls apart for him, for them, with regard to their felony accusation. In fact, like, felony, where'd you hear that? And oh, it, it all comes down to, well, before we had the break, I heard Mr. Johnson tell me that there was a felony warrant out for my arrest, which never occurred. He choked because he was being um, used to falsify, again, another charge, a felony charge against me by the same officer who had been lied to and suborned the perjury in the first case and was being protected by the mayor looking for re-election. Wow. Maybe that's why I should begin this case when I talk about it and go back in time. That's what happened to me as a veteran who paid my own goddamn way into Afghanistan nine fucking times. The system. I went there as a disabled veteran being prosecuted using two fucking illegal aliens who had a decade-long fucking history of driving illegally and committing document fraud for over a decade. 
and they didn't give a goddamn about it. And then the judge convicts me using their testimony. Hmm. That's what happened. So they and the reason that it's important, and the reason that it's important, right, is because we had two former attorney generals who were prosecuted, indicted, and prosecuted. They were both in the very same court with the very same judge. Attorney General Number One, Mark Shirtless, his case was dismissed. Number Two, Swallow, he was acquitted in February of 2017. Okay, you know why he was acquitted? Because during the trial, in the same fucking judge's courtroom, his defense attorney accused the FBI of lying on the stand. An accusation that they couldn't prove, that they had no proof of, that was never proven. Only an accusation. Unlike an illegal alien coming in and saying he was insured after the judge admitted into fucking evidence, yeah. a record of being uninsured. Right. Okay? Yeah. Then... They asked for a mistrial in the Swallow case. The judge, instead of having a mistrial, as a remedy, dismisses six of the felony counts of public corruption on 18 felony counts, reduces them to 12. Then instructs the jury that they will disregard all the statements as evidence from the entire body of the FBI and disregard all the evidence collected by the Department of Justice. So there was no more goddamn evidence against the Attorney General, who was then acquitted because they accused the FBI of lying. Whereas I'm in a court as a veteran, and and two illegal aliens lied their ass off and the judge wouldn't hear the motions that contained the lies and perjuries from the previous court showing that they had sworn in under different names and all the other shit. And I'm convicted. After Swallow is then acquitted, the current Attorney General Reyes writes all this glowing, gushing bullshit about the justice system, how it reaffirms his belief in the justice system and what a great judge Judge Ruby Mills really is. She writes all this bullshit. Well, I'm going through a process of civil review to have him review the bullshit that I went through in the same court. When he was acquitted, his civil review team contacted the Office of Public Corruption law enforcement who called me up on the phone and told me I would be prosecuted if I contacted anyone in the AG or went anywhere near them, emailed them, faxed them, contacted them, called them. Wow. So basically, Are you getting all that? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Then, then I had to go to the FBI. And while I was going to the FBI, somebody must have spoofed me. Because one of the times I went to the FBI, I'm someone who lived with the, the director of, the, the FBI director of fucking Pakistan when I was over overseas. Right. Okay? I was escorted out of the FBI building with three armed fucking agents and lived to tell about it. So you, you found... That the next time I went back, I was told never to fucking come back. You found no help there. You There was no 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 friend there. They reached around. There was a reach around. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. They reached around and just... They did not... You know, and then not as a conspiracy, but then I went and hired another attorney just so I could try to work on the, the liability benefit from what happened because we knew we could go with the liability benefit because I still 
hadn't been worse since this happened. So, so civilly, I mean, I, I guess if he has nothing, he has no identification. There's nothing you can take from this guy civilly. There's he has. It's not about that. It's about my insurance company yeah, sided with you. that guy because they knew they would have to pay me. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Right. And they had paid me before in a case involving a member of the, this governor's staff. Yeah, that that was something else I was going to ask. I mean, this this, uh-huh. isn't, this isn't an isolated incident either. Uh- Correct. It is not an isolated incident. I was broadsided when I came back from Afghanistan. All was complaining to the attorney general's office about being run out of business, documented with documents from people. Twice. Right. I was complaining directly to the governor's office about the previous governor, John Huston Jr. When a member of his family working for the governor broadsided me five blocks away from the Capitol, knocked me unconscious, and I woke up to watch to seeing uh, an officer who was never dispatched to the scene of the accident. So I did one of those grandma requests you talk about, like the FOIA request, whatever, grandma. Mm-hmm. An officer who had shown up without being dispatched at the scene of the crime to assist a member of the Huntsman family who worked for the governor's legal staff, instructing the witness to leave under duress of arrest. Mm. You know, the weird thing is, the, the craziest thing of all is that city attorney in Salt Lake City, where I live, is Lynn Cresswell. City attorney for South Salt Lake City, now, Lynn Criswell. Same city attorney, all crazy accidents. Hmm. I don't know what it means. I'm not saying he's responsible for it. You just see a common denominator. (laughs) If anywhere else, could you, if you live anywhere else in this country and you had just come home from Afghanistan and Iraq, and a member of the governor's staff clocks you in a, ran a fucking stop sign and fucking T-bones you so hard in your Volvo XC70, all the body armor you have and everything, and knocks you the fuck out in a residential neighborhood, everybody in the state would know about it. Right. They buried that fucking thing so deep and so fast and fucked me over so hard They wanted this to fucking stick. And there, there was also um, some other weird um, facts about this as well. I mean, they, oh yeah, there was. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was, I was threatened by the attorney general's office, Morris Harry. I got the letter still. That if I talked about an accident, is exactly said. If you talk about an accident, you're know, the governor's staff. You will be prosecuted for the full extent of the law under you know, Utah Code. Blah 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 blah. And if you talk about this other guy, Jacqueline Clymer, he'll be prosecuted. Or these other people. And all of these things were documented. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, you know, this is, uh, I, I'm just going to let you know, West Virginians are always free. And um, yeah. <laughs> you, you're going to talk about, you're going to have a voice here. Uh, this is this is the First Amendment. And uh there will be. I will not accept any pressure. I will not accept anything. I mean, you know, you have a right to speak about this. Um, you have a right. I believe. I believe. I like it. 
I just don't let that stop me. I want to immediately out on Facebook and blab my fucking mouth you, off. You don't strike me as the type of person to uh, to take it uh, to take a line down. Yeah. So uh, I didn't. Right. And after they issued after they issued that letter to me, a couple of months later. Now it's been like two years after that original accident. This is where I went bankrupt. Thanks. Okay, so went bankrupt after I was hit by a member of the governor's staff. I got you. Okay. I uh. And I got I went bankrupt because the attorney general was submitting on my bills from a state healthcare institution, the University of Utah healthcare system, to the courts, and then selling them to collection agencies. While they're telling people that I have, quote-unquote, I have PTSD and that I have conspiracy theories, they're the ones who coined that it was a conspiracy theory. Not me. I just called it public corruption. Well, well, conspiracy theory, is a, it, that's a well-known tactic to... to yeah, discredit. Yeah, yeah, to discredit, to demonize you. It's, it's all your fault. There's nothing to see here. There's no there, there. He's crazy. And, um, yeah, yeah, I mean... I mean yeah. I mean, you know what I was hoping was, I was hoping that through Alex Jones, they could get to a bright part or a Stephen Banyan and get this in front of Trump. But I, I believe that even that he is President Trump and he said all these things. There's a pecking order. Human nature is a pecking order. And people get sacrificed all the time. I've been one of those people. Repeatedly. I'm just fucking sick of it. I went to, these are all recorded conversations too, I went to the Speaker of the House about this accident. Okay? I was going to the Speaker of the House about the accident because I was already working with the Attorney General's office and they were working with me over a problem that I had at the university. After that accident, I went to be treated and they kicked me out. Because they said I didn't have a state ID. While I'm standing in a room filled with people who are the refugees that they bring here, Utah's safe. Wow. Who are treated and don't have ID. And I have a recorded conversation of the risk manager who called me after I made a complaint and admitted on the phone to me that they were going to do biometric scans beginning in 2017 because these people don't have IDs. And I was chased out with a broken fucking hand, injured hip, torn tendons, because I, after I was going through the lobby and was admitted to where I've been going for eight years, because I didn't have a state ID with me. And they called the fucking security on me. Wow. I'm 52 years old. Well, you are the, you're the number one demonized you are the number you are the biggest threat it's not the people out there with um, you know radical views or radical associations it's not the people uh, who are driving around without a, a driver's license it's not the people who um, you know perjure themselves apparently it's it's you the you know the the, the person who did the right thing who who has repeatedly you know, it looks. It sounds like uh, risk blood and treasure, and um, you know, uh, for your country, and and this is what you get. So, yeah, you you have a right. That's why I was hoping I could get. Yeah, that's why I was hoping I could get some. Uh, 
Yeah. I can't, I, you know, I wanted to, you know, I, I, wanted, I wanted you to hear this. That's why I went to Greg. That's why I didn't tell you. I worked, so I was working with the Attorney General's office about this. And the only reason they'd work with me is because I didn't file a notice and had to sue them for what happens. Because I, as a disabled veteran, you can't discriminate against people in a protected class. Right. At any institution that receives federal funding. I had been forced, I had been chased out after an accident and denied treatment. Do you, do you have a, 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 a liaison or anybody at the VA? Have you spoken with any? Oh, my God. I don't mean I didn't to, want to go there. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't mean to take yeah. it down that way, but... Uh, um, I didn't even go into that. You're, I think what happens here, you, they they just know. I know these things. If I really wanted to trip somebody up, I would just keep doing things to that person. And then they would, when they talk about it, they just seem like a nut. I hear. I understand. That's what's happened. I got you. I made up. It's like... It's just like it's unreal. Yeah. Doesn't matter how much documentation you have. I was all say. this was documented. I went. I had all the document. Then I had all the documentation about all the arrests and all that shit. All everything. And uh, uh, I was working with the AG, not about what happened in the court, but about what happened at, at the U. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't getting any traction. So I wanted to go talk to Greg Hughes and just see if I could warm my way up to, to the Trump thing or get it and get some uh, something about the I'm a vet. There's the new voice program, you know, through the Department of Homeland Security and Eyes, and you know, these this guy who was uninsured hit me and blah blah blah. They're making a lot of stink about it. Maybe I can go talk to Speaker Greg Hughes and get something done on another level, another field. Mm-hmm. Okay. The AG. This is all recorded. The AG. Find out I'm working with Wade Fairway. He's dead now. He died recently. He goes to Greg Hughes' office and gives them my Facebook post that I've written under Aaron Jones, which is my real name isn't even Aaron Jones, it's Aaron something else. But I write under a pseudonym for my own protection. He outs me to the speaker's house. And gives them posts I've written that are critical of Greg Hughes. And telling them that it's me. And then to induce them not to provide to me any access or voice. And they send me a letter, an email, denying me any access or any voice. I gotcha. And it continued. Then I get a call from my friend who's a member of the JAG. He's a colonel. Colonel from another state. Aaron, these guys over in Greg Hughes' office called me up on the phone and asked me these questions about shit. Hey, buddy, you need to move out of there. Hmm. Then I get a call from the public, the law enforcement division for the AG. You were not, you were instructed. We were, you know, you were instructed you cannot approach the attorney general's office anymore, contact and email them, write them, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's kind of calmed down since then. Because, you know, while they were talking to me like that, I was pretty animated. I was like, really? Well, fuck you. You can't tell me I can't do that. You can't, that's illegal. You know, you go fuck yourself. You know, that's how I talked to them. <laughs> you know, pretty ballsy. You know, but we, over time, worked things out. They just got worn down, and then they saw that what I was talking about was really true, but then they still wouldn't do anything about it. 
And then I ended up going to the State Bureau of Investigation and gave them a copy of these records and showing him that on the driver's license division, there's no there's no records of any of these problems. It's like someone scrubbed them off the records. And they acted like, if we consolidate all this guy's offenses on the record, well, we're doing something for you. I'm like, no, you're not. You're not doing that for me. You're doing that for public safety. Get it through your head. It's not for me, pal. <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah. it's... And, and I, have the re- I have the email from these people saying that. Right. That's how... These people are so fucking arrogant. They have done this shit for so long. They will just bury you. The only reason they haven't buried me is because they think that they don't know who I am. I'm not anybody. They don't know that. Right. So I'm no one. I'm just a regular person. They think otherwise. Or they're worried or whatever it is. But that's the only reason. Doesn't it? You know? It, 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 yeah. it strikes me kind of weird, though, that, I mean... With with all the things that they could have avoided just by, um, I mean, in at the very beginning, dismissing the case or you know saying, look, you know, I, I mean it. it I, I mean, I've I've ran into to cases and and different incidents where you know you run into one thing and because you're met with um, you know some type of obstacle. You want to dig. You want to look harder. You want to see what the pushback is all about. And I, I think that's what happened to you. Is is you know, I, I mean, the system absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt failed you. Um, I, I, I guess I've never had so many problems in my life. I, I can understand. I mean, I, I have a I have a parallel story, but I guess that'll be a, a topic for another another time. But um, yeah. nothing nothing nearly as fantastic as that. But again, all on record, um, audio, video, everything. Yeah. Um, well, the, yeah. Well, the reason that I'm so pissed off about all this, I actually have skills uh, and hobbies and things I know how to do and I, build things. I and don't doubt that. Electronics and drones and all that. Lot of, it's like. How am I supposed to have a lie? How am I supposed to make a living fighting you people? That's the point of it. That's why they do it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, you, there's only so much a person can... It, it's all designed if, if there's... If you don't have the money to fuel the 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 fight legally, then it, it dies an early death. You know, you, you run out of... Uh, you just... It's, it's a very, very... Once it's corrupted, yeah. it's it's a very dangerous you know thing. Yeah. It's you know what the favorite thing is here? Here's what they say to you out here. Go get an, they tell you the lawyer up. Go get an attorney. You know what they say right here? The state? They have over 280 full-time attorneys in the attorney general's office. Mm-hmm. And an unlimited budget for special cases to hire the $500 an hour top guns. Sure. And it's, it's, it's a game that they have stacked and rigged. They're hoping they're going to go into state court. They're only worried if they're going to go to federal court because they don't know how that's going to play out. So That's why they say that. They don't care. It's a policy of deny, deny. You, you want to read a good story, a really short little blip of something that I wrote, go on to the Utah State Senate, Utah Senate, and there's a comment by me, Aaron Jones, under something that was posted by A.G. Reyes on the state Senate site. 
And I talk about a movie I saw. It was directed by Francis Ford Coppola. It's called, it's called The Rainmakers. Okay. And the Rainmakers is about this kid who dies from leukemia back in the 50s or the 60s or seven, whatever it is, who's represented by a brand new attorney named Matt Damon. Who's Matt Damon. Right. And he's fighting this huge company named Great Western. I compare, make an analogy between the state as Great Western and this case. Except in this case, the bad person dies who's laid fair away. And I go through this litany of what they did when I came to them for help as a veteran. By name, and I named them by name. They hit my guts. Right. They hit me. So, that's why I'm banned on that. Now that I'm saying, hey, you know, you're banned on all these sites that you can't speak on. An elected official, if you're their constituent, they can't do that. I see what you're saying. When you first made that comment, I mean, I, I, I guess I misunderstood yeah. exactly what what the the point was. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean that that is it's absolutely mind numbing to me that that at some point some person has not stopped and said, "What is what is going on here?" At, at even the federal level. Um, you know, it, it, they reached around, dude. They reached the fuck around. I got gotcha. you. I had my, I had my NCIC record with the FBI altered. While I was complaining about the governor's office to the FBI in their office for months, they then tell me they don't tell me that it's altered. They tell me that we don't know if we can let you leave the office because it shows that you have a felony warrant out for your arrest. On a case in another state that's twelve years old, and then what? What? I mean, as far as that goes, I mean that that came to to naught. I'm assuming that was, I guess. I they would they wouldn't they were so lazy they wouldn't even fix it themselves. How am I going to correct a record at the NCIC? Right? Exactly. Yeah. It took me two and a half years, and by the time I was done, they made a small correction, but they didn't correct the whole thing. But then I learned about databases and records and how easy it is to literally destroy somebody. Well, that's, their public identity. Because that's what people call. Right. I, I work in the private sector. I, I don't. Um, I don't use um, you know any type of government system. But uh, databases are, are one of the things that I uh, I use for marketing um, in my in my day job. That's one of the things I do. So. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely. I mean, well, knowledge is power, and you mentioned the algorithms, and algorithms are. I mean, I think we're I think we're at the dawn of something that um, AI wise, and um, mm-hmm. that yes, exactly, that we are not completely ready for. Uh, we just completely have no idea, and and it's it has. It touches us in ways that we don't even know yet that it that it does, but it does. I can feel it. <laughs> not to sound you know quote unquote crazy, yeah. but I mean just just logically looking at things and the way algorithms. I I, I heard a very interesting um, interview. Uh, I guess maybe about a year ago uh, 
on coast to coast regarding algorithms, and um, it's absolutely scary. Um, exactly. Oh yeah. But yeah, that's and not to not to go off on a tangent. Uh, so it sounds to me like, I mean, you've you've taken your lumps in a few battles, but it doesn't it doesn't sound like you've uh, you've uh, called the war yet. It sounds to me like you're trying to take it to a, another level. Um, you're you're trying to use the uh, the information route now. Um, you know, uh-huh. like I said, yeah. for what coverage I can yeah. provide, I will I will do yeah. so. And for anyone who wants to, uh, I mean, maybe to dig deeper or have you on, uh, is there a, um, a an email that you put out or any any way to contact you? Do you want um, so that? Yeah, my phone number and that email address is fine. But yeah, I mean, you can go through because we've talked for a long time. You can. Do you think there's anything that stands out? Like when I got really passionate with the last part, you know, you know. <laughs> Anything that you want to snip and cut or whatever, you know, and put out there, that's fine. But I got you. It's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. Which is tragic, but it's, to me, it's like you're. It's a, it's a federal provision that you have a right to seek redress, and underpinning redress is a framework that allows it to occur, and that is due process and equal protection. Oh, absolutely. Well, in in my state, it is it is absolutely a racket. Um, where you you aren't even if you if it's a traffic ticket I mean you're you're talking about a hundred dollar fine I'm uh, I I actually had a similar occurrence which I won't go into the specifics now but over a twenty five dollar seatbelt violation this was I I refused to pay it on the grounds that I was wearing my seatbelt um, and you know long story short um, it just it was a long drawn out thing that I captured uh, on video on audio and um, you know just just showing what a racket it was and and how it was just a you know a way to take money from the population um, but anyway it, it, you know I, so I, I mean I, I couldn't even imagine uh, you know I couldn't even imagine what what you what you've come across there I mean that, that's just yeah. it blo- it absolutely blows my mind but, and the Mormon people have perfected the reach arounds. I call it the Church of the Eternal Reach Around. I mean, I came from that background, so I know what it is. Sure. And maybe that's um, that. That might be something that, uh, if you would ever, you know, feel feel like you'd want to uh, to delve into that a little bit deeper, I, I would be more than happy to uh, to entertain that. Read. Go on Facebook tonight and read on the Utah Senate. Site under Aaron Jones, under the post, it's like the second or third post on the Utah Senate site. Okay. All right. And, and, and if you keep scrolling down, if you look at any of those things, you see there's a comment. I probably have one. When you start to read the things I say, you'll understand why they hate me. I got you. Well, they. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna quote something, and I, I don't want to get all metaphysical here, but I, I'm gonna tell you exactly what you're running into, okay? And uh, I don't know if you spent much time on my website, but it's it's the second thing under the web, you know, on, on you know, and the second line on the website. Um, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. And um, that is from Ephesians 6.12. And 
it couldn't be more true. And that, that is exactly what, what you have um, been combating. It, it's, it's, a, it's a principality. It's the, the principle of, of what's going on. The, the undermining of, of national sovereignty. The, the, the right um, for um, a nation's citizens to be protected and free from this. You have an invite any time. But, yeah, um, yeah, but... I think it's all going to hit the fan here in a minute anyway because <laughs> I tried to struggle out with them and they're like, oh, I'll go get the trash. And then I just, after a while, I was like, you know something? Keep your fucking money. Right. I don't want it anymore. To me, it's more about payback and payback is going to be in a mind narrative on the record. Not sure well, sometimes money, though, it, uh, it it's it's a great way to sit back and uh, have a nice steak and say, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Those suckers. Oh, yeah, I, 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 that's what I was trying. I, I, I'm, gonna, I, I'm going to, uh, and things have changed, but uh, I'm, I'll, our next uh, episode, we'll, we'll maybe uh, go into a little, a, a few of the things that have, that I've experienced personally uh, as well. Maybe we'll, we'll swap a few stories. Um uh, my mother, God rest her soul, was a very, uh, very spirited, redheaded woman, and uh, she she had quite a few run-ins, and um, she, you know her her rights were violated, um, and and she made mm. them pay. So, <laughs> but uh, mm. but yeah, um, I you know I don't know, man. Uh, I, I, hopefully, at some point, you know, this will get out. This will gain traction. Uh, I'll share it. Um, I will, uh, you know, I'll do everything I can get to get it out. I've, I mean, honestly, I've been a little bit censored. I get more, yeah. um, more yeah. interaction with uh, posts about fried green tomatoes than I get about um, a socialist party. You know, a, a socialist, committee, you know, a, a action committee out there uh, trying to influence policy here in West Virginia. So it kind of blows my mind. Well, I think the one that would really get a lot of excitement. Anything connected to the Russian ambassador, John Huntsman Jr. <laughs> That's the only reason they're paying attention to any of this. I gotcha. Well, man, I'll tell you what. Um, you know, it, it all comes out in the wash. At some point, it all comes out in the wash. So, um, you know, the truth, it, it, nothing will be hidden. Nothing will, will happen that, uh, you know, at some point in this life or the next, they won't answer for. I, I firmly believe that. So, but, you know, yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, I appreciate your time. You too, sir. I will go ahead and get this stuff. I'll come, you know, I'll, I'll be in touch with you. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll chat. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, thanks a lot, Aaron. Have a great day. Or a great evening. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. For God. For country. For truth, for justice, for the republic, neocrusader.com.